contextualize for us? Well, I think this morning we were having, we had communion at church. And of course it being the Christmas season, I was like, why do we celebrate this season? And I read Ephesians chapter two, one through 10. And the Bible says, and you, he made alive. Mm -hmm. Who's the he? Jesus, he's the one who made us alive. Why did he have to make us alive? You were dead. Why were we dead? We were dead because of Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. We're dead because we inherited their sin nature. And he goes on to say, you didn't walk according to the course of the Lord. You walked according to the course of the world. You followed the prince of the power of the darkness of the air, which is Satan, who now works in sons of disobedience, among whom you also conduct yourself in lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh. What did Adam and Eve do? They saw what they desired. The, yeah, the lust of the flesh, the desire of the flesh in your own mind, and by word natural, by nature, children are wrapped just as others. And when we look at that, and that kind of gives us a big picture, okay, of our fallenness mm -hmm. and our need for God. And, you know, if he'd left it there, I mean, doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. But God, who is rich in mercy, you know, showed us his great love. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. We're sitting, mm -hmm. even though we're not, that's not an actual actuality for us yet. But judiciously. We, we are judiciously, you know, there already. And it's all because of what Christ has done. So really, to answer the question, it is to allow Jesus to have full control of our lives mm -hmm. through full surrender mm -hmm. to his Holy Spirit. And when we do that, the Bible says we're alive and we're going mm -hmm. to be that image bearer that we're supposed That's to be. Because right. we're his workmanship. Right. That's how it finishes. Mm -hmm. We're his work. What's he doing? He's created us. His workmanship in Christ Jesus so that we perform good works so that people will know that we belong to him. Yeah. So he tells us later in Ephesians that he gives us the earnest of the Holy Spirit. That's it, down payment. Down payment that comes within us and guides us because we do not yet have the ability in ourselves to be that light bearer mm -hmm. that we should be. And knowing that, he allows us to participate with the Holy Spirit in our lives that brings us until we die. And then when we die, we, on resurrection day, will be given a brand new body, our eternal spirit that will be able to cooperate then in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father, mm -hmm. and walk with them in that intimate relationship that Adam had in the garden. That's what we lost. Right. That's what was lost. That's what we're trying to get at. That's what we're getting back to in 1 Corinthians 15. 15 yes. right. On that day, you're yes. going to be raised incorruptible. Mm -hmm. Incorruptible. And so what, what we lost back then is what we need, and that is that intimate fellowship. And we can have some of that now. You don't have yes. to wait till then. Right. That's, that's important to understand. Mm -hmm. It will be different when, when we have all capacity. But now... It even comes to the place that says you can come to that place 
where you don't even know how to have that intimacy. But if you desire it, the Holy Spirit will bear that before the Father for you and speak where you can't speak. We find that intimacy, men have a hard time with this, in words. Mm -hmm. That's where that intimacy comes from. That's, that's the reason the Bible starts off, and God spoke, and God spoke, and God spoke, and God spoke. And, uh, and so the intimacy comes in words. That's the reason Hebrews uh, 1, 1 and 2 says that in times past, God has spoken to us through the prophets in various and different ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. God speaks intimately through his word, and God's intimacy is in speaking, and so uh, uh, in, in the eternities, that intimacy will come because we can see him face to face and we can speak. Yep. And that's another reason, by the way, we were given a material body to, to live in. Not that spirits can't speak. They, I think they can, for what I read. But it's different. It's but different, it's, yeah. It's the physicality of it. I think that speaks, and, and that is why God is so committed. I mean, I think all that speaks to why God is so committed to redeeming his creation. You know, because the ability to have that intimacy that, that, that you only get through these relationships um, when there's no will, I mean, when there's no choice, when there's no action on both sides, like the give and take and all that, there's, there's, you're just kind of doing things by rote, which is why it's so, I think which is why the Christian life has become so dry, you know, because we're not seeing that as that intimate relationship. Well, I just think about if you were, in, if you're invested in your family and something happens, you'll do everything you can to redeem whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You know, you, will, you'll, you, you may say you won't, but there is a relationship that you are trying to save. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what God is showing us, especially yeah. for, for, as Christians, we see that. You know, I mean, and, and you're, you'll do anything you can to try to, to save that relationship, and that is why God is so earnestly, mm -hmm. consistently, faithfully trying to redeem his creation. creation yeah. You know, I, I was just sitting here thinking, and it just hit me. It, I think it kind of goes along what we're saying. When we get to heaven, there's only going to be one thing that's man-made. Mm -hmm. The scars that Jesus will bear mm -hmm. on his body for all of eternity. And he bears, those, bears the scars in his hand and the prints on his you know, forehead from the crown of thorns and then his side and his feet and you know, the lashes that he had upon his body when he was beaten to remind us the length that he went to just to have relationship, just to have intimacy with us. If he had just wanted any old body, he could have created new people. Mm -hmm. it would, I mean, if he created us out of the dust of the ground, he could have started well, that's all what over. Told Moses began yeah. with, I'll just destroy them all, I'll start over with you. That's mm -hmm. right. right. But, but no, he really wanted this creation that that's he had it. made to, to have that, that fellowship that had been lost in that creation, mm -hmm. first creation. So he went to these extraordinary, I mean, I don't think we think about it sometimes, 
the extraordinary depth that God has gone to redeem us. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is amazing that, that he has gone to the very depth of becoming a man. And, and, and Jason just said it. He's done something that is unbelievable. He took on a body, a human body, that is a real human body. When we read in Philippians chapter 2, when he, he came and became a man, he became a real man. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he is a man now. Mm -hmm. In heaven, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, is a real man, That's Christ it. Jesus. That's it. Who's fully God. At the fully same time. God at the same time. Not half God, not half man. Fully God, fully man. And he will have the, the bear, the marks uh, forever. He, he took that on for us. Mm -hmm. He became a man, not for a week, not for a year, not till the end of the resurrection period of time, but for all eternity, mm -hmm. eternal God became a man for us That's right. that he could have a relationship with us that that is what i think we fail because we can't imagine some someone fully god yet fully man, man yep. it's so difficult in our fragile human minds to be able to draw that you know jesus represents that's why he that's why he can be our representative the effervescent, you think the effervescent, I heard, heard that phrase, the effervescent glory. When I think of effervescent, I think of um, Alka-Seltzer. You know, you throw Alka-Seltzer tab in the water and it just bubbles up, bubbles up, bubbles up, bubbles up, and it just, and it is just, and just think about continual effervescence. You know, that Jesus represents both the continual effervescence of the glory of God and humanity. And the potential of humanity. And the what potential could, you know. of what humanity is and was created to be. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and he is the human representation of the divine nature that was created for humanity. Mm -hmm. And it's and I think that's why we have such a difficult time. But it says we're in, in uh, first Corinthians it says it says, as you read, as Verse 48, as was, the man, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Now here's the verse. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, in other words, born in this world, the redeemed then, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Mm -hmm. So we'll bring into full course and finishing what we're talking about. How, how do we get to that image, to be that image bearer that we should be. We commit ourselves to Christ, mm -hmm. become saved, and then by faith, read in Ephesians, we are granted the gift of returning mm -hmm. to be image bearers, true image bearers as Christ. So now we are placed in Christ, and therefore we bear not the image of the earthly, but the image of the heavenly again. Well, I think... Hopefully that put the, the period on the end of our story that we've try, been trying to, to tell about the image of God and, and why it's so important to see not only in yourself, I think. I think it's not easy, but I think it's easier to kind of put on that on yourself, but the image of God onto others. Because if we can treat... If we can take all that and wrap our minds around all that and then tell ourselves 
love this person as much as Christ loved you to, to redeem this person unto glory. Then we will begin to be able have taken the first step in fulfilling our purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, once you can wrap your mind around that and not look on you as the image of God, but look on others, others. Mm-hmm. as the image of God. Well, Matthew 22, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. And then second, like yes. to it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law, all the prophets, which goes along exactly with mm-hmm. what you said. And I believe with, in, in reading that, second like to it, God is telling us, you know, you show me how much you truly love me is how you love that person that I've created and image. And then he went along with that later on and said, and it doesn't do any good to love those that love, that you. love you back even said, the Gentiles do that. That, yeah, said, love somebody that can't love you back, or that's unlovely, or, or, or that you think you can't love. Said, that's genuine love mm-hmm. when you when you exhibit that kind of love for someone that has no way of rep, uh, you know reciprocating that love, or someone that genuinely you look at and say, I don't think I could ever love that person. Mm-hmm. That was the scandal of Jesus. Yeah, that's what made him so radical. He didn't just love these people. He loved the Samaritan woman at the well. Mm-hmm. He loved the leper. Mm-hmm. He loved, you know, those that were judged harshly for infirmities and something of their day. Yep. And so he lived out the image of God mm-hmm. in a way that we today should be living out the image of God. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate um, you meeting with us again, and we hope you um, look forward to the next episode. We will see you later. Good evening, and welcome back to episode 18 of Truth Talk. We're winding down to our 20th episode, which will be the completion of season one of Truth Talk. And then we'll, I guess we'll play a Fast and Furious game of rocks, paper, scissors, see if we're going to do season two or something like that. But anyway, um, so we are um, going to wrap up. We thought, or I thought, we had wrapped up Image of God last week, which is what we've been talking about for the past several weeks. But um, after Dad and I talked some more, um, and then Jason got here and we talked through some more, uh, we decided there's there's a little bit more putting together kind of the story. and. And we want to take it back a little bit. So we're going to start off um, with a why question. We talk a lot about if-then questions, but, you know, why questions are a bit more compelling and sometimes harder to answer. So I'm just going to um, throw it out there. And why, when we talk about the image of God and that Adam did not fulfill his purpose and what God had created him for, why did God even create a human world. He, ex- he already created this heavenly realm with spiritual beings. Um, so why would he even move into this earthly realm and, and create this earthly realm that becomes so quickly a disappointment in, in purpose, if nothing else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we, we know that that world was there. Uh, a peek into it can be found over in John uh, chapter 4 when he's talking to the lady 
uh, that is uh, by the well, the Samaritan woman, and uh, he's discussing and drawing out with her about her life. And of course, she's telling him where she worships there at Gerishim. And uh, he tells her, well, that's the wrong place uh, to worship. You should worship at Jerusalem, which is a big poke at her world religion, her worldview. And then he uh, says, the hour is coming in verse 23. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. And then he says the, the statement that we need to understand. He says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so um, before this world was brought into existence, God had a perfect world, a spiritual world in which he existed. And... Uh, he had created angels, which are spirit beings in that world. Uh, we know those angels can assume forms. They did, but they are formless beings. They don't have a form in that sense. When we see them displayed, uh, we were talking about that uh, before we started recording. They're shown having images sometimes and given, given images, but they are truly spirit beings. And, and they existed in that world. And so, um, so why have we even, why did God even decide to make a material world? And um, th those questions need to be asked very carefully. And the only way you can come up with any answer is to look into the Word of God and see if God's given us an answer because that's in the mind of God. That's nothing that we can and fathom on our own, that that has to come okay. from, his, from his mind. And as we were talking, I think one of the primary reasons that he decided to make this world was to display himself. Now, for a human being, that would sound arrogant. Mm -hmm. But for God, that is a legitimate reason mm -hmm. to do something. And he wanted to show for, for whatever reason, I don't think he ever tells us why on that. He just tells us, he wanted to show who he is. He has God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in this material world, he created Adam and, and Eve, but we've been talking about the image of Adam primarily, so that he could display himself. And through that magnificent being, Adam, that he made, he could enter into a, a intimate worship, fellowship, relationship that a spirit world was incapable of. Absolutely. And, and you know, we, going back to Adam, you, you're talking about there, God did it. God does everything for his glory. And like you said, sometimes we look at that, you know, as far as our, we do everything for us, that's being self-centered. Well, God's not self-centered, but he does everything for his honor and glory. And just in the creation, as we were talking about with Adam and Eve in the back, when God created everything, he spoke, and it came into being, light. The moon, the stars, the universe, it all came. But when he got to creating mankind, he got intimate, didn't he? He didn't speak man into existence. He used his hands and he fashioned man into his image and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So yes, God did it for his glory, but I believe God also did it 
as you already elaborated on, that intimacy to have fellowship. You know, God doesn't need us, but he sure does desire us mm -hmm. and desires that fellowship. So, so we have to figure out part, part of, really, you're, especially for us at Antioch, your sermon this morning, really trying to put together how we move in our humanity from we, we, God moved us from the spiritual realm to the earthly realm. And now we have to figure out how to get back to that spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. And I think we kind of breezed through or flew through so much last week talking about how Jesus came and he died and made the way and everything. But, you know, well, what does, what, but what does that do for us? You know, if Adam was, Adam, I, have, I found this um, quote um, this week and it says, though man is still the image of God, in every aspect of, some, of life, some parts of that image has been distorted or lost. And that is that earthy image. I'm, th this is, you know, we're no longer fully, you know, it says as God. Mm -hmm. You know, we were created this way, you know, to be like God, fully in his image, both in nature and spiritual, spirituality. But when... When man fell, he lost that moral purity. Mm -hmm. His character was corrupted. And once that character is corrupted, everything else, his intellect is corrupted. Mm -hmm. His ability to reason is corrupted. His ability to form relationships is corrupted. And, and you know, we go from this incorruptible to completely corruptible corrupted. kind of step into. So we needed this uncorruptible person to bridge that for us. And, and that is what Jesus, Jesus does for us. But then how do we, we know that Jesus came and died and, and, and was resurrected, but what is it that we take that next step to again move from the earthy, from Adam to Jesus, from earth and, to heaven? And before we take that, that step even, I sometimes think we fail to stop and think on God's side of that. We are so man-centered mm -hmm. just because of our fallen Manity. nature. We've, we fail to think of how much it hurt God when we fell there in the garden. Mm -hmm. It had to have because God goes to such an extent to recover us. If it had, Just think in a human relationship. When somebody that you care about, that you love, that you have such hope and expectation for, when they fail, and and um, and, and you, you see them fall so far short of what you know they could do, how that hurts you, how, how the pain that that brings. Th think of that, how that must have felt for God in His unfathomable love, mm -hmm. and His and when He came looking for for Adam. He already knew it wasn't. He, he wasn't asking questions that he didn't know the answers to. He already knew they had sinned. He already knew that what had, what had taken place. And so I, I think sometimes we, we need to consider, and that's, that's part of what is, is talked about there in Philippians uh, chapter 2 when God sends his son and allows him to take on the form of a man and humiliates himself. Uh, so is that... Um, that God in his character was deeply wounded. Mm -hmm. 
Now that's a hard, to me, that's a hard concept to gather, but once you do, you can begin to really enter into that deep love relationship with him that we're supposed to enter into. Well, even in that passage you're talking about in Philippians 2 about what Christ did, he humbled himself. The, very, the, first, the verses right before that, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of basically what Adam lost mm -hmm. is what we as believers should have now because of what Christ did for yes. us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think by skipping over that, sometimes we fall in love with the idea of salvation. We don't fall in love with God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we want to live forever. We want the benefits of heaven. We want all of these things, but I'm not sure we've fallen in love with God. Mm -hmm. We appreciate Him. Mm -hmm. And until we've seen some of that pain and some of that suffering that He's done, so I don't think we impute, we don't, we don't see that in God sometimes. Mm -hmm. and, 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 but it's, if you read your Bible, it's there. Mm -hmm. but we, we need to see it's there. We, we only see sometimes from our side of this equation, but there has to be that on the other side or else God will not be going to the extremes that he's going mm -hmm. if there's not that care, that love, that deep commitment, and there's only one way to get that kind of commitment. Mm -hmm. I think we, we tend, we, or we have as a, as a church nature, lost that when we try to summarize stories and bites mm -hmm. that you can give mostly to children, you know, so that we can fit it in a 30-minute class so that you can have a form of discipleship, you know, and everything. And, and we lose, you know, sitting in those two verses where God tells Moses that he's fixing to wipe out the children of Israel because they have gr so grieved his heart because they are not, and we, we've referred to this several times, but I think it, it really is that first picture of the children of God taking advantage of what he has done for them. And we breeze over that. We see all we are left with is the picture of Moses throwing down the, picture, the Ten Commandments mm -hmm. and having to go back and get them again. You know, we're left with that. They, they worship the golden calf, and he goes, and, and they get another shot. You know, and they fail again, and they get another shot. And we, we don't see the seriousness that Moses interceded. You know, you get that intercession here. And we've seen intercession before because he had a similar experience with, you know, Noah and everything. But at this time, they are called out. They have been redeemed from the fall, which is what the time in Egypt was. And here, you know, it's, it's this picture over and over and over again. And here's 40 days later, they have turned their back on everything he's trying to teach them. And he is grieved. grieved. You know, and, and Moses begs God, because he hasn't seen what they've done yet. Mm -hmm. You know, and so Moses gets down and sees what they've done. And he's like, I'm... You know, you, you, you wicked people, mm -hmm. you know, and I just think our, 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 sometimes how stuff is translated, we lose the context from, from everything. And because we've tried to just get stuff in such small bites for us to ingest as children, we never take those big bites as adults so that we really drill down to see 
that mm -hmm. that helps you grow and that helps you stretch mm -hmm. and so that you can, can put some context to it. To it yeah. So when we, then we begin to talk about now this, this resurrection body, it means something. It doesn't just mean, well, whoop you do now. I got a body that can walk on water. I got a body that's going to live forever. I got a body that's going to do these tremendous things in eternity, and I'm going to do all these things. Well, yes, your body's going to be an amazing body. It can do all, all these kind of things, but it's more than that. It's, it's more than than the physical exploits of a super body uh, that, we're, that, that is intended mm -hmm. to be talked about. Right. We, we look at it, we still look at the image that we're gonna bear as how different we are in the next realm, right. as opposed to how much we bring glory and honor to God. Uh, yep. Yep. as that image bearer. The, the equation almost always, if we're not careful, stays on our side of the mm -hmm. ledger rather than on God's side, mm -hmm. and God wants us to move it to his side. Mm -hmm. We were talking earlier about um, this verse in 1 Corinthians, and, um, and I think it, 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 because it talks about this whole chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you get down to the end of the chapter, and it talks about the glorious body. So we're talking about you know, the image, we get back to this image of God, but what does that image of God fully redeemed through the resurrection of Jesus? Because it's only through his resurrection. And in verse 42 says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, but raised in incorruption. Um, you know, it's sown in dishonor and raised in glory. It's sown in weakness and raised in power. Um, Skip down. I'm going to just skip down. Y'all can talk through some more of these as we, we really get the context to it. The first man, um, in verse 47, the first man was of the earth, made of the dust, which is what the picture we want to see, that intimate relationship. The second man is the Lord from the heaven. You know, and it, it tells you, so you're moving from dust that I made to create you to heaven, which is where you were always supposed to be. How, but you know, what is it that we, how is it that we allow Jesus to bridge that for us? I guess is the question that I still feel like we're, we're trying to really 